Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Stay with me now, because the events I'm about to share with you are totally true. They hadn't been Hollywoodized. They're true. I have a dear friend in Fort Worth named Ron Lyles. He comes down and teaches to the men's Bible study and preaches for us. And Lyles pastors Calvary Church. And <clears throat> yeah, he has a young lawyer in his church named Scott. And Scott was on a mission for his firm down in Miami Beach area. They had him put up in a nice five-star hotel. And uh, I'm a little loud here, brother. Help me, help me a little bit. I'm a little loud, John. I'm a little loud. Have you ever heard a preacher say that before? Thank you. It's going to be a great night. That's better. I don't need a lot of. I don't need a lot of monitor. Okay. So Scott gets in from his work and he decides he's going to go down to the pool. So he puts his trunks on. He goes down to the pool. He's going to read a little book for a while and and just kind of soak in some rays in Miami. And there's a guy right there beside him, and he is. Uh, reading a book also in the process of time they strike up a conversation for about two hours on and off they just visit just talk just visit and uh came down to dinner time and so the man that scott was talking to said hey can i take you to dinner tonight that'd be fun i like you i like talking to you my family's not here you're here your wife and kids are gone can i take you to dinner scott said yeah i'll be fine he said by the way I didn't introduce myself. I'm Scott. Told him his last name. He said, well, my name's Bobby. Bobby. Scott, what do you do? He said, well, I'm an attorney for a firm in Fort Worth and down here doing some work. He said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a service station operator. I work in a service station. My family owns service stations, and I work in that station. But I want to take you to dinner. I want to, I want to buy you a meal tonight. So Bobby and Scott meet in the lobby, and they go to dinner, some little old dive down there or something, and they eat in a quaint place and say goodnight to one another, go to their rooms. And the next day, Scott comes back to the hotel. He's leaving the next morning and he goes back to the pool and there's, there's Bobby again. And he, uh, he said, man, I'm glad I run into you. He said, man, I enjoyed yesterday just visiting with you. I hadn't, hadn't been able to talk to anybody like that in a long, long time. Just neat. Thank you. Every now and then you run into people like that. So he said, but tonight I'm going to take you to eat take you to a nice place I'm going to charge it to the firm <laughs> so he said okay alright that's fine so they went to a, a little swank place a nice place and Scott and Bobby's eating the lawyer the service station attendants eating and all of a sudden people are coming by and they're taking pictures of Bobby long distance short distance people are giggling people are fanning themselves women and Scott's thinking, my God, I've never seen a service station attendant have that kind of energy. So he gets up, goes over like he's going to the bathroom, and he went, went, goes to another table over here, and he said, hey, buddy, he said, what's happening over here at, at this table? He said, you don't know who you're eating with? He said, yeah, I'm eating with Bobby, a service station attendant from North Carolina. He said, sir, you're eating with Johnny Depp, the movie star. 
That's funny. And then he felt embarrassed because he hadn't seen one of his movies. He didn't know anything about a pirate in the Caribbean. Didn't know anything about Dillinger. Didn't know anything about his movies. So he had to come back and he said, what did you do that for? He said, listen. He said, I love to meet people that just like me for being a service station employee. If I'd have told you who I was, if I'd have shared with you who I was, we probably wouldn't have been able to talk like we talked for the last two days. But hey, thank you for just letting a service station employee. That's his M.O. If you ever meet somebody in a hotel, that's pretty sharp looking, you know, sharp. And he tells you he's a service station employee. Say, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know who you are. That's a pretty neat story, isn't it? So they traded phone numbers. They're going to get in touch with each other's family. And whenever Johnny Depp goes through Fort Worth, which I don't know why he'd ever have a reason to go through Fort Worth. <laughs> I told that to Pastor. <laughs> They're going to get together and their family's going to meet. That's a pretty neat story. I love that kind of stuff. The Bible said, be careful how you entertain strangers. Lest you entertain angels unaware. You know, you never know who you're sitting beside. You never know who you're sitting beside. You never know who's across the table from you. You never know who's standing there in that foyer. You never know who's in that lobby. It's amazing to meet people on the level of life. So I thought I'd share that with you because life is about confidence. And Scott had a lot of confidence because he was the attorney and he was talking to a service station employee. And then it reversed. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I want, I want, I want, I want the, the people to put up on the screen, life is better when you have confidence. Life is better when you have confidence. In fact, I'm going to make it a little better. Life is so much better when you have The greatest confidence in all the world should be with people that their God is the Lord. We ought to have supreme confidence in our life. I want to talk to you about it tonight. Everybody excited about Sunday? Everybody excited about next week? Everybody excited about Wednesday night? You're going to hear one more great young preacher on Wednesday night. You're going to hear another great older preacher on Friday night and then you got me on Easter. Sunday, we've got, we've got Ricardo here. He's going to do praise and worship. We're excited about that, and I will be ministering in that service. And also on Easter Sunday, we are going to take communion. I think it's going to be a wonderful day. I think Easter is going to be a wonderful day, but there's no telling what God's going to do for us this Sunday. Everybody say, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to come on to church. It's mind over mattress. I've said that so many times, but some of y'all hadn't heard it because you hadn't been here. I heard a, I heard a, I heard an art preacher say one time, said, you got to tell your stories every now and then again and again because there's always new people that hadn't heard them and tell your story again. Hebrews 10, 35. So do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. Everybody say, don't throw away your confidence. 
because it's going to be richly rewarded. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many believe the Lord's coming one of these days? How many believe if he started something in you, he's able to complete what he started in your life? Isn't that a good scripture? Paul is in prison, and he's writing that to the Philippians. Isn't that neat? Isn't that a neat thing? It's awesome. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's have a, let's have a good evening. Thanks, praise team. Have you ever been driving and discovered that you forgot to release the emergency brake in your car? You wondered why you felt something holding you back, but you didn't know what it was. That is what I call the spirit of timidity or the spirit of fear will do for us and do to us in our life. If we live our lives with the emergency brake on, never risking, never letting go, never living life to the fullest, then we will never understand what God really has for us. Confidence is about being positive about your life. Everybody say, I'm positive about my life. You've got to confess some things tonight. I'm positive about my life. About what you can do and not worrying about what you cannot do. There's a lot of things I cannot do, but there's one thing I can do. I can love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. I can be a disciple of his. Life is better when confidence is bigger. A pastor introduced a lady one day in the foyer of his church, and then he invited the guest that he had introduced the lady to to guess her age, and the pastor knew the lady would not be offended. The man thought a moment, and then he said, maybe about 80. And the sweet lady smiled and said, on my next birthday, I'm going to turn 100. Another pastor tells about an experience he had once when visiting an elderly woman in a nursing home. She and the others living there were celebrating her 100th birthday in a nursing home. She was alert, as you or me, and enjoying every moment of it. And a newspaper reporter at the party asked her, do you have any children? And she responded without hesitation, not yet. That's cute. You need to laugh about that. A hundred-year-old woman without children really doesn't have much of a chance of ever giving birth. The Sarah story is in the past. It's a pipe dream to think she might give birth. But there was a good chance that the sweet lady who was going to celebrate her 100th birthday would absolutely have that happen in her life. In fact, she's enjoying good health today in the 101st year of her life. Confidence. I submit to you tonight that the attitude of confidence is a good reason that the little church lady has done so well for so long. Confidence, in many ways, is our strength. It's our strength. Psalm 27, 1 through 6 in the NIV said, The Lord is my light, David writing, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love this word. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. 
though war break out against me, even then I will be confident if a war breaks out against me. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high up on a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at this sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Anybody got a David spirit here tonight? Anybody? Anybody? Why don't you clap your hands and rejoice right now? Make a little music in your heart. Sing a little song of victory right where you are tonight. It's a wonderful thing to be confident of this very thing. In this talk tonight, I'm going to try to persuade you folks that confidence does more than make you feel better. Confidence is actually going to make your life better. And my goal is to convince you that you have every reason, number one, in the world to develop and embrace a life of confidence. To decide today that I'm going to be a confident person as possibly as I can. I know I've had a problem with it, but I'm going to turn my ship around this year. I want to learn how to be confident in God. How to think with confidence. How to act with confidence. How to live in confidence. The second thing I want to teach you is that confidence influences circumstances and it also affects the outcome. Hallelujah. When you are confident of this very thing, the thing that would throw a lot of people overboard and under the bus does not come upon you. Thousands shall fall at thy right hand and 10,000 at thy left hand, but it shall not come nigh unto me because I am confident in the God that I serve. And the third thing I want to teach is that your life will be different and so much better with confidence than without confidence. Now, I'm not asking you to go out to the golf course tomorrow that you've never played golf on and line up an 18-foot putt and pastor said, if I have confidence, it's going to be good. No, it ain't going to be good. I'm not going to encourage some of you boys that have not pushed away from the table enough to go next door and try to dunk a basketball because I don't care how much confidence you have, you're probably not going to get up high enough unless somebody lifts you and then we'll have back surgeries going on around here. But I am going to tell you that confidence will make life so much better than without confidence. You need to understand that God wants you to be a confident Christian. Not cocky, but confident. Not above everybody, but believing that God who's above all and through all is in you also. Amen? So I'm going to, I'm going to give you three little things here. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you three little points here tonight and then... We're going to go home. Number one, things happen in all of our lives that cause us to waver in our confidence. You, you've had those things, haven't you? Things happen in our life that cause our confidence to waver. Some people have a hard time getting it right. Paul Harvey, in his book, For What It's Worth, tells about a county jail in South Florida where jail officials found a plastic trash bag hanging to the bars of a cell. And inside was a man named John Jones who was a prisoner who had hoped he'd get taken out with the trash. And he might have, except during roll call, his reflexes took over. 
And when the name John Jones was called, from inside the bag came a muffled response. Here. Some people just can't get it right. Confidence in it is enhanced by preparation. Winston Churchill said this, and I want to read it to you. Put it up on the screen. Here's what Churchill said. To every man, there comes in his lifetime that special moment when he is figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to him and fitted to his talent. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared or unqualified for the work which would be his finest hour. You know, when David came to bring cheese and corn to his brothers and he heard Goliath hollering, and we've talked about that so much. It's been preached all over the country 47 times, but it's an amazing thing that when Saul tried to put his armor on him, David would not wear the armor because he had prepared himself for this very special moment in his life. He had got himself ready for this very special moment. I want to declare to some of you here right now that it's all right to keep practicing your praise. It's all right to keep practicing your prayer life. It's all right to keep practicing, pardon me for saying it, but looking at yourself and saying, God is great and I am a child of God. It's all right to declare to the devil, I do not belong to you. I belong to Almighty God. It's all right to declare to the people that do not want to see you succeed in life. It's all right what you feel and what you think. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because there's going to come a moment in your life. There's going to come a moment in your life when you are going to be selected and brought out. And if you're ready for that, if you're ready for the challenge, it can be the finest hour that you ever had in your life. I'm looking at people right now, right now in this house, that's on the cusp of something awesome in your life today. I have been preaching this since the first of the year, and I'm going to keep hammering you and broadsiding you till somebody starts shaking their head yes with me and said, Pastor, I believe I'm getting it. It's kind of like that old pastor that was preaching one time, and he preached the same message on Sunday, preached the same message on Wednesday, preached the same message the next Sunday, the next Wednesday, and one of his elders came up to him and said, Pastor, he said, you know, we love you, but do you understand that you're preaching the same message? He said, yeah, I'll change when you get this one. I want everybody to open your mouth and say, I am confident of this one thing, that he who begun a good work in me is able to complete it. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm not going to walk through this thing lackadaisical. I'm going to finish the race that God has for me in my life. Would you praise him right now? Come on, David. Praise him right now. So many times we're tempted to cast away our confidence. We get hit with some negative news and the loss of a job, the unfaithfulness of a spouse, bad medical report, and in those times, our confidence is tested. Uncertainty enters our minds. Patty and I were privileged Sunday after the Sunday service. Boy, I think the guys did good Sunday, don't y'all? Brad and Mitch, didn't they do good? Clap for them. Brad's over yonder and Mitch is here. Clap for them. They did so good. 
And I really mean that. I really, really do. I mean that in my bottom of my heart. We went to lunch Sunday after church with Rob and Mel Condry. Now, some of you people still have not met them, but I wish you would find them because you need to shake the hand of a miracle. No way around it. We sat there at Johnny Carino's on Sunday, and I looked at him, and I said, okay, I want to know the whole skinny. Give me the story. And he said, Pastor, it was September, and I knew that I was in trouble. And I went to the doctor, and it wasn't stage one, two, three. It was stage four, colon cancer. And said they were worried it was going to go to my lymph nodes and said it started spreading. But it usually goes directly to the liver. He said, I knew I was in good hands when the liver was bypassed. And the, and the cancer went all the way up to these lymph nodes and didn't touch anything, my stomach, my liver, my spleen, my pancreas, nothing. He said, I knew God was up to something. And he said, Pastor, when I was prayed for at church that Sunday, I don't mind telling you I was afraid. I was, I was scared. I, I just was very afraid that, that I, I just wanted it to happen so bad. I did not want to go yet. I'm 47 years old. I didn't want to go yet. And said, Pastor, it was in that moment that God began to touch my life and heal me. And said, it took a little while to be healed. But he said, I said, well, Rob, what do you think was the catalyst element? You got to get this. What did your physicians tell you? What did, what did your friends, close friends tell you outside of myself? He said, number one, they said, you need a faith in God. You need a faith in God. Anybody need a miracle? Have faith in God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The cure to a troubled heart is believing in Almighty God. He said the second thing, they said you need a strong support group. Clap your hands. That's what he had here at CLC. And he said the third thing, said they said you've got to have no matter how bad you feel, no matter how rough the road, no matter how tough the situation, you've got to have a positive outlook on the situation and you've got to have confidence. You've got to have confidence that you're going to come out of this. And Sunday afternoon at, at, at Johnny Carino's, Rob Condry looked at me and he said, Pastor, my last test, I don't have any cancer. It's as if cancer has never been in my body. He said, my colon is as clean as it's ever been. I am healed by the power of God. Hey, I'm not trying to get you to go bonkers on me here. I'm just trying to tell you that if God can do it for somebody, he can do it for anybody. If God can heal that young man, he can heal your family. He can heal your children. He can heal your job situation. God is a healer. He is a healer. He is a healer. Wow. Wow. Isn't that tough? Tears filled his eyes. He said, I, I just, I believe him. I believe him. The writer in Hebrews 10 creates the word picture of a life that cast away confidence versus a life lived in confidence. You need to read it when you get home. Have you ever felt your confidence slipping? Have you ever felt your confidence diminishing, turning into discouragement, and then notice that discouragement or negativity calling you to a different path? 
that voice of uncertainty saying, well, just, you know, you know, it, it, it may not happen. Negativity, taking over your mind and start down a different path and making different and unwise choices. And you are tempted when those things happen. You need to admit this to say how you really feel. You are tempted to stop thinking that God is in control of your life. You're tempted that God even has a plan for your life and you want to say it or you want to stay home from church this week. Let me tell you something. None of those need to happen. You need to look up to the heavens when things are not going good and praise him and keep telling him he's in control and tell him he has a plan for your life. And one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me? Come on, we need confidence. We need confidence. I love the old Andre Crouch song, When trouble is in my way, can't tell my night from day, and I don't know the rest of it. I, have a, I don't worry and I don't fret. God has never failed me yet. Trouble comes from time to time. But that's all right, I'm not the worrying kind because I got confidence God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, woo, yeah, I know. I know. I know. He's going to fix it for me. That's why the writer is saying, hold on to your confidence. Stay on the path of confidence. Stay in the flow of confidence. It will create a different response, a choice which will in turn result in a rich reward. Say amen to that. Amen. Second thing I want to tell you about confidence. Confidence maintained in your mind produces rich rewards in your life. Let me just, let me just say something here. You know it, but I'm going to repeat it. This was saved. Your heart is saved. And hell knows he can't affect this. This is a wandering star sometimes. And the battleground is right here. You must maintain in your mind whoo, what God has done to your spirit being. You must maintain in your mind because it produces rich rewards in your life. People who live with confidence have better relationships. They have better jobs, better health. Confidence helps you pray effectively. Confidence makes you think creatively. Confidence causes your mind to search for answers and solutions rather than sitting dormant in despair and finding ways that it won't work instead of finding ways that it will work. That's what confidence does. First Kings chapter 19, one of the greatest legendary stories of all time. Elijah was discouraged and he went to a remote place and prayed that he would die. You've got to understand this now. He had just had a, a victory with, against 400 prophets of Baal and 450 of the grove. And he had called down rain from heaven, called down fire from heaven, then rain from heaven, had ran 17 miles to Jezreel and outran the chariot of Ahab. That old boy was a distance runner. He could go to this church. He's a marathon man. Let me tell you what I was. I was a 40-yard dash man. Just thought I'd share that with you. It don't mean nothing to the sermon. And he said, I want to die. Let me die. He complained to God what he thought was unfair and unjust. He told God, I'm tired of it. And after he was done complaining to God, God said, get up and get back to work. I don't have time to listen to that kind of junk out of your mouth. And he did. What a huge decision it was. He went from there and anointed Elisha 
And for the next 10 years, they became a dynamic duo. The prophet that performed seven miracles and the one that followed him that performed 14 miracles. 21 miracles. You think those boys wasn't bad when they came walking down the road two by two? Hallelujah. It's an amazing thing, folks, how close sometimes we get to calling it quits. And God is saying, get up. You're not finished. You're not done. It was right after that moment that he went and did what God wanted to do. When I read stories like that, I get pumped. They inspire me to stay confident. They inspire me to, give, to not give up my confidence, to not quit, because I realize that beyond my greatest discouragement is another place of victory. And I have had discouragement just like everyone in this house. But I'm telling you, behind that discouragement is another victory coming in your life. Stay confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in you is able to complete it. To complete it. Say complete it. I'm going to finish. Remember, it's less about the circumstances and more about the confidence. It's not circumstances. It's confidence through those circumstances. So no matter what the circumstance, confidence maintained in your mind produces rich rewards in your life. You're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better mom for your children to hear you when you speak to them with confidence, when you pray with confidence, when you show them by your example how to maintain confidence. You're going to become a better leader. You're going to become a better Christian. Anybody want to do that? Come on, clap your hands all over the house. Amen. The bigger your confidence, the better your life. Amen. And I'm closing. You know, this morning I got up. And I, uh, I made this deal with God a long time ago. Some people sell their soul to the devil. I sold mine to God. He's got mine. It's in a vault. I, don't, I, I want God to take care of me. But I got up this morning, and I was, I was hurting a little bit. Randy's got the flu. Brad's got the flu. Maybe we shouldn't have gone on trip. But I, I looked up to the heavens this morning. I said, now, God, listen to me. Listen to me. I need a little help. I told you when I started preaching that if you would make me sick on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, I'd always show up in the pulpit, but I want to be well when I preach. <laughs> and I said, tonight when I get in that pulpit about 8 o'clock, I need a little help. I need a little help. I can't tell you that I feel like running through a troop and leaping over a wall, but I could preach about an hour right now. I could throw down right now and start preaching and just giving everything I have to this message because God, God has given me a confidence in him. The third thing I want to talk about is God's confidence is intended to translate into self-confidence. Okay, here we go. Polls tell us that the confidence of the American people in the future is at an all-time low over the future. That's the world attitude. Those are people who can only trust in the government and in their own resources. The people of God have a whole other attitude, however. We take our confidence not from the economist, nor from political pundits, nor even from our own ingenuity. We take our confidence from God. And God tells us that because of what Christ has done on our behalf, our confidence can be at an all-time high when things are at an all-time low in life. Amen? Pastor, I don't understand that kind of teaching. No, 
but you don't have to, you're going to have to get a grasp of it because God wants you to understand that he is not going to forsake you no matter what happens to you in your life. He's going to complete what he started in your life. Do you believe that? He's going to complete it. Now, I'm not talking about looking at the world through rose-colored glass. There's a good story about a husband and wife that were walking out on a long dock extending over the Mississippi River. They was having a little date one night. And as they stood there looking at the vastness of that great, great river, they heard footsteps running behind them, coming like a madman. And here came a man running as fast as he could toward the end of the dock. And they stepped back as he passed going at full speed. At the end of the dock, he increased his speed, gave a mighty yell, and took a flying leap toward the opposite bank. He went about 15 feet and splashed in the water. Alarmed, the couple ran out <laughs> to the end and fished the man out of the water. The man said, what in the world are you trying to do? Panting and spitting water, he said, a man up there on the hill bet me a million dollars to one that I couldn't jump across the Mississippi River. I couldn't stand there and think about those odds without at least trying. That's funny. I don't hear y'all. It's funny. What the world says you cannot do, with God, you can do. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't recommend anyone have confidence that's based on anything less than the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Some men trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the word of the Lord. Over the entrance at Andover Hall at Harvard's Divinity School is the inscription in Latin which translates into English. It says this, the end is determined by the beginning. If Paul were in charge with that emblem, the verbiage would re perhaps be reversed. He would say the beginning is determined by the end. My confidence is based on what's coming in my life, not what's already happened in my life, what's coming in my life, not how I started. But if you're going to mature as a Christian, you will have to get past what I call dumb dichotomies. Let me talk to you. Dumb dichotomies. A dichotomy is a division or the process of dividing into two especially mutually exclusive or contradictory groups. In other words, a dichotomy is the opposites. It is different groups. A dumb dichotomy is when it's neither either or, but it's both. Now, the sweet spot of wisdom is combining the two truths that complement each other rather than positioning them against each other. And the reason I'm bringing this up is simply this, self-confidence versus God's confidence. Self-confidence versus God's confidence. Can I preach a little bit right now? People ask me, Pastor, do you have confidence in God or do you have confidence in yourself? Can I say that's a dumb dichotomy? The answer is both. Simply because the confidence in God is to be confident that God is all-knowing, all-supreme, all-powerful, and that He is for me and that He is helping me and that He's my strength. Or as one man said in the pulpit not long ago, I am with the I am. And I'm walking with him. And I'm walking with that Savior in my life. The psalmist said, with him I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things, Paul said, through Christ who strengthens me. There's a powerful story in the book of Numbers, and I close tonight. I'm going to let you folks out early. If you see me disappear, it's all right. I'm not going to heaven tonight, I don't think. 
Following the great exodus from Egypt, Numbers 13, the people of God got stuck in the wilderness and the reason that they doubted themselves and underestimated their potential. Numbers 13, 30 through 33 says, Then Caleb silenced, watch this now, the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Say amen to that. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Verse 32. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size. Read on. We saw the Nephilim. There, the descendants of Anak coming from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Mm, mm, mm. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how we can look at a battle that looks so massive that we don't think we can win it? We shrink and say, I just don't think I can get there. We have a couple in our church. I'm going to tell this story. We have a couple in our church that have supported this church ever since they have been coming to this church. They love God. They love the church. They're incredible kids. They're incredible people. They've been here a long time. And recently, last year, he lost his job. Last year, he lost his job. And for one solid year, he did not have a job. He did some work on the side and tried to make, tried to make ends meet. And they, they made it. Somehow they survived on their savings, whatever. On the day that he lost his job last year, he got a call this year. God said, be confident. I'm going to take care of you. You see, because the Lord... Don't come when you want him to doesn't mean that he's not going to show up. And the call was like this. Hey, hey, buddy, how would you like to be vice president of a corporation? How do you like to start at the vice president level? Well, that sounds pretty good. How would you like to be 35% owner of the corporation? That sounds better. And I'm going to promise you, I'm going to tell you that you will work for a salary for just a little while, but then commissions will start rolling in and you will be so shocked how much money you're going to make. And I, I hate just to make it a money thing. I didn't. I made it a healing thing a while ago. But most of us, our problems are with more month than money. And we have situations and we don't think God's going to come through for us. And when I got a call from that young man and his wife, I went beside myself. I got ballistic because I knew one more time that God, was going to show up on our behalf. God's going to show up on our behalf. You see, because God's not finished with this church yet. God's not finished. It's not where we started that mattered. It's where we're headed that matters. We're going somewhere, and Almighty God is for us. Almighty God is with us. And it's an awesome thing to have that kind of God. You're not a grasshopper. You're able to possess the land. And because those men that followed Shua 
died in the wilderness because they could not see themselves as being confident enough to take the land Joshua and Caleb walked on in and possessed the land of promise I think it's pretty awesome guys I wrote this down it's a little something I want you to, to feast on some people are mortified because they feel they missed the plum and yet they never shook the tree it's amazing if you'll get up and get back to work and quit feeling sorry for yourself and understand that God's going to complete what he started in your life you're going to win this war you're going to win this battle you're going to win in the end because it's not how you started it's where you're headed and God has got something he wants to complete in your life I love him I love him clap your hands all over the house right now I love him And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.